It's He-Man and the Masters of the Universe Revelation! Shun, shun, shun. Stay tuned. And welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and men being men. I'm Chris Leva. And I am Mackenzie Worrell, and not uh, condoning that statement. <laughs> and, we, and today we are talking about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, specifically Revelation, or just Masters of the Universe Revelation. Because it's not yeah. He-Man at the start of that title on Netflix. New on Netflix. Delivers what it promises. I don't know why people are upset. Uh, oh, I know why people are upset. <laughs> you know why people are upset. I feel like at this point we could rename the podcast like Chris McKenzie versus Fandom. Yeah. I think we would probably get more hip <laughs> if we did rename <laughs> the podcast to that. And hate mail. Uh, well, any mail yeah. would be good at this point. So... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, fans of Writers Get Animated. Uh, let's talk through this thing that we're talking about. So, Masters of the Universe Revelation is a... How would we describe it? It's a dark reboot sequel. A reboot-tenuation. Re oh, nice. I like that. It doesn't, like, glide off the tongue, but it feels right. A continue boot? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Rebootenuation. Just, I think it's probably as good as we're going to get in, in this time period. Of So it's a rebootenuation of the 1980s show, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And... There are a great many people for whom He-Man and the Masters of the Universe uh, was their universe and may still continue to be their universe. And I got to say, I learned a lot preparing for this episode because like, I was vaguely aware of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe as a kid. Like, it was existed in the periphery. I saw some episodes at some point. It didn't stick with me. Mm -hmm. um, and then just trying to understand the history of both the the concept and all the, the television and movie property versions of He-Man up until now. I was like, oh, there's a lot that's happened. It's not just the 80s thing and then, like, the Netflix She-Ra show. Like, there was stuff in the middle, too, mm -hmm. which I was not aware of. Um, and it kind of feels... When I when you talk to like a diehard He-Man fan, like they also would give you the um, impression that nothing has happened since the eighties. <laughs> Interesting. At least that's my takeaway. It's not something that I'm like super into or aware of, so I'm coming in with a very big outsider's perspective, except just existing as a nerd in the world of nerds. Uh, knowing there are other people who are nerdy about things that I'm not in, like nodding along, going like, yes, I think I'm learning and understanding stuff. 
uh, and realizing when I do my own research that maybe I wasn't learning and understanding stuff. I, I personally was the prime age to be into He-Man, um, but I, I've went down the Voltron pathway. Uh, so the dark side, I wouldn't call it the. I mean, it depends on your view of things. I think it's the better side of things. Um, so I, I personally wasn't even allowed to watch He-Man when I was a kid. Uh, my parents, they, they considered it to be satanic was the word they used. Uh, so I was very, uh, much not allowed to watch it. Uh, very and also not allowed to have any of the toys. I did have friends and cousins who had the toys, so I remember seeing them, um, looking at them, and not being sure what they were about. Uh, so, before watching any He-Man, I did watch. There's a, a cool documentary called "The Power of Gray Skull: The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe." on Netflix right now that you can watch. So if you are not acquainted and want to feel like an insider, you could watch that and understand where He-Man, the character came from and the show and well, the toys, then the show, then the movie, then more shows, then two new shows on Netflix, one of which we're talking about today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I'm so fascinated that your parents use the word satanic because it's like the plot is like the exact opposite of satanic. Like they're fighting satanic forces, perhaps. Yeah, there's a character with a skull and there's a castle with a skull. So obviously it's bad. Hmm. I mean, well, they also wouldn't... There was a moment where uh, demons got mentioned in ghost the real ghostbusters so i wasn't allowed to watch that um which i thought i told them this hilarious line like with that winston said where he's like i sold my soul to the devil i sold my soul to the devil and egon's like actually he's not the devil per se he's just a major demon he's like i sold my soul to a major demon and i was like that's hilarious so I told my told my parents that, and they're like, "You are not allowed to watch that show anymore." Like, well, that'll teach kids to share things they love with their parents. Yeah, don't do it. Don't talk to your parents, <laughs> children. And also, why are you listening to this? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't think that I ever had. I don't think anyone ever told me not to watch it. So I don't know. It just didn't. It's into like more mainstream things like Captain Bucky O'Hare. So, you know. Yeah, for me, it was you were not allowed at all to watch this this show. But I was totally aware of it. Never watched an episode until we talked about the He-Man She-Ra Christmas special when we first started our very first very special Christmas special Christmas special. Right. I was prepared to come in today and say, I haven't ever seen an episode of He-Man. And you reminded me <laughs> how we've talked about He-Man before. So clearly stuck with me. <laughs> so if you had to describe He-Man in a single sentence, how would you describe He-Man to somebody who, unlike us, have totally seen at least one episode of 
man. <laughs> oh, man. If I were to try to give it like a good, honest, like salesman pitch in one sentence. Um, He-Man is a campy cartoon show about the science and magic battle between good and evil that understands its limitations both technically and in its audience and has a good time with that. Wow. Oh, comma, and sells toys. There we go. Okay, there we are. I feel like that's a really big... I mean, it tries to be subtext, but I feel like it's... Not as sub as it would like to be, necessarily. Yeah. 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 I like the the addition about the it knows its limitations and its audience and leans into those. I mean, watching for this N episode of the 80s version, um, the original, um, I was... It's not like you would look at it and go, like, that's good animation. But, like for what it was at the time and how they hide what they do and how they repeat um, different animation cycles or Mm -hmm. um, cheat out some things like Prince Adam bends down to pick up a cat. We don't show that, but then he comes back up and it's in his arms. We don't animate the pickup motion. It's just, he goes off screen or out of frame for like half a second and he's back with the thing. Um, It does a really good job feeling like good animation and the characters do a good job with facial expressions and expressing themselves physically. Uh, it's not like GI Joe where they're just <laughs> blank templates talking except man at arms. Um, he doesn't have a lot of emotion, but other characters do. Um, so it feels like technically they know what they're doing and they do a good job with that. It's not like a badly made show. No. It's a cheesy campy show. Right. With limits. And yeah. I think it's the that limits because you end up with a lot of expectation, uh, a lot of not expectation, a lot of exposition, um, more so than you would in because you can't animate flashbacks, you can't animate other things. Uh, you have, but you have a lot of backstory and you have a lot of things to tell people about these things, um, especially kids. You really have to put it out there like this is not I feel like it's a show that aims low in terms of age group but like conceptually is also aiming higher than than its age group that you know the the group of kids that it has to sell the toys to is younger than the art style would probably and, and like the fantasy and the lore and design and storytelling that they're doing is probably for an older group. Yeah, I could see that. Although I think like, especially in the 80s, like shows and studios underestimated what kids can understand and want to do. Correct. Um, I like that we've shows nowadays that, I'm trying to think of a great example. Well, I mean, we talk about Bluey a lot in, like, positive glowing terms. And, like, yeah, Bluey is a show that's geared towards much younger kid audiences. But, like, everyone can enjoy because it's not trying to sugarcoat anything or hide anything or simplify anything. It's it's a show whose plots and growth are aimed toward younger audiences but is enjoyable for all because it's rooted in reality, even right. though it's about a family of dogs. Right, 
And I'm not sure how grounded this world is um, because it's in some ways it's manufactured. I mean, in very many ways, it's a manufactured world. It's not created by storytellers. The storytellers had no say on which characters were involved. The story, the, the characters were given to them by Mattel, who had already created uh, a mythos. And now here you go, here are the, here's the good guy who looks like this. Here's the bad guy who looks like this. Um, here, here are their teams of people who all look like this. And here's the castle that's at the center of it. Um, and, you know, for $60, you could have these things. Or I think it was 20 at the time. Inflation. Ugh. I know. I mean, it's it's a show that's very, like, high concept. Um, maybe emphasis on high. Uh, it's... <laughs> but, you know, it, it doesn't give you... Like, yeah, there's a lot of exposition, but it doesn't feel the need to, like, hold your hand through the whole thing. It's like, these characters good, these characters bad. They're trying to do this, and the problem of the week is X. Mm-hmm. Fill in the blanks. This character has this, which is going to... I mean, it, it also lends itself back to, like, a Wile E. Coyote cartoon, which is... <laughs> Now this character has this device, and this is going to be the device that actually gets rid of He-Man and does the thing. Yeah. Which is a great way to lead into... We we watched different first episodes of <laughs> 80s He-Man. Um, you watched the Diamond Ray of Disappearance, which was the first aired one? Yes. And you okay. watched... Tell me about that. You watched... The, I watched... The Great the Cosmic. Comet. No, that's, yeah. I'm sorry, that's a musical. Um, <laughs> the Cosmic Comet? Yeah, I watched The Cosmic Comet. Which is the Oh, yeah, thanks, Wikipedia. Which is the first one in the production. Yes. It's like they air these all backwards. Wow. So, two firsts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that one is better than the other, because I think they both just kind of throw you in. Because yeah. uh, you couldn't record things or watch things in order in the 80s. So <laughs> each episode has to sell itself. Right. Oh, oh, you get the huge introduction, which is like, here's what this is about. I'm Prince Adam, and I'd have these fabulous powers that allow me to do this thing and this. Like the word fabulous, I feel is like they're right away telling <laughs> us what kind of show this is. So I have these fabulous powers, and this is Cringer. Uh, who turns into Battle Cat. The story of Battle Cat being made is just one of the best things ever. I just love that story. Um, in the show or in the documentary? In the documentaries. Um, <laughs> there's there's a couple versions that I've seen, and one has curse words and one doesn't. The curse words one is better. Um, <laughs> I can't remember which show it's in, but it's really great. Um, but it, you get everything in that beginning little montage introduction and then we go straight into Skeletor saying they finally found the lost diamond of disappearance and he's going to use that diamond to zap He-Man and everyone in the kingdom at Eternia away and now then he'll be able to rule Castle Grayskull. 
Cool. Sounds like a good concept of the week. Yeah. What What was your concept of the week? Um, in the Cosmic Comet, uh, there is a comet passing near Eternia, and it's now an evil comet, because there used to be two of them, and its friend got killed. So now the comet's evil. Wait. Um, and it's lonely. Yeah. You heard me. Okay. I'm tracking. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just no questions. Just go. Mm-hmm. Um, so Skeletor talks or tricks the comet into doing his bidding, and it creates comic comet beings that are nigh invincible. And uh, the masters of the universe have to go see uh, Zagros, who is the comet wizard, um, who can control comets. But when they reach him, they find out he can't control comets anymore. But they believe in him, and Zagros doesn't believe in himself, which is the the moral at the end of the episode that Man Arms gives us is try again um hmm. and then they wind up creating a new second comet which inherits all the memories of the first comet that got destroyed and now the comets can be friends again and the bad comet apologizes and they leave and uh yeah okay <laughs> okay so i don't think i did a bad job explaining that but that's what happens got it so in the in the diamond ray of disappearance Skeletor succeeds in blasting the royal family, which surprised me. So they get blasted along with the sorceress. And I think Man-at-Arms as well gets blasted with a ray. And then um, He-Man talks to the sorceress through the mirror in the castle gray skull. And she tells him, we're in a different dimension. You can save us by destroying the diamond, but don't look at it for too long. Because then you'll get zapped where we are, and what are you going to do? So He-Man throws people a lot while he's fighting Skeletor. The diamond falls down a crack. He-Man like pushes the crack a little bit so it opens more in the ground and goes in, comes out with it, and tries for, I want to say, like, Five to six minutes, he tries to crush the diamond and, like, animation changes. It feels really long. Uh, it's just, like, uh, struggling the same. <laughs> like, uh, uh, trying to get it to crush. <laughs> Everyone's like, I don't think he can do it. And he's like, uh, uh, and he finally destroys it and everyone comes back and Skeletor runs away. Um, and the lesson is, there are no shortcuts, kids. Like, got to do things the right way sometimes you have to do it the hard way skeletor tried to take a shortcut by using the diamond ray of disappearance is it a shortcut if it's a tactic to achieve your objective yeah i don't know he was mostly successful in using his shortcut only thing that happened is somebody like threw something at him a person probably yeah it was (laughs) he-man (laughs) <laughs> specifically <laughs> I can't even remember how he was defeated I just remember just the sque- a lot of squeezing of a diamond <laughs> well I, I like the note that you put here at the end of this uh, no side can ever win yes. tell me more about that in, in this particular show Skeletor can't win He-Man can't win otherwise show's over yeah or show continues into the next episode and then what are you going to do it's a syndicated show you just have to have a hundred different episodes to show in whatever order 
the channels are going to put on because you don't want kids going like, what? Like, what just happened? And Skeletor can't ever win because then He-Man wouldn't be the hero anymore. Yeah, we're not given the beginning of the story and we can never get the end of the story. Right. And before I watched the new show, Masters of the Universe, Colon Revelation, uh, you texted me and gave me a heads up about what to expect. I was like, oh, that's so insightful. And I totally agree with it. And as I watched, I'm like, Chris is right in the money. The first episode of Masters of the Universe Revelation is a finale for the 80s show. And the second episode of Revelation is the premiere of Revelation. Because <laughs> I, I was watching that first episode. And we'll, we'll get into this. This is all spoilers. You can go watch 40 minutes of TV, but... We're gonna we're gonna let you spoil it slightly, but we were watching that premiere, and you know, fold and close as I often do when I'm doing my homework, and I was just like, "What? What am I watching? What story is this?" And I felt like I missed something, because we are so far in media res, like we're so far in the middle of something. I'm like. I, I feel like I'm in the third act of something as opposed to, you know, being set in action somewhere. Like one of the things that I remember is like the James Bond movies, right? They all begin with a crazy stunt, which isn't really part of the plot, but we start right there and there's, you're already running after a villain and it may or may not be connected to the rest of the plot. You're just in a situation much like the opening to almost every Simpsons episode, you're in this situation that's going on and that situation may or may not have anything to do with the plot. Yeah. But this didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like, hey, we're in something in an adventure showing you who these characters are. It felt like we were at the tail end of something. It felt like we were in the third act of something and I and I'd walked in and missed the first part of a movie. And I think that works really well here for Revelation uh, because how can you continue something if nothing ever changed in that first something? Exactly. What's the point of continuing it? So it kind of, the first episode gives you the finale that's the logical conclusion of like the mythic hero plot that He-Man the Masters of the Universe have in the 80s, which is the, he sorry, spoiler, spoiler alert, big spoiler, spoiler calling it. Um, He-Man is the mythic hero who sacrificed himself to kind of save his friends and the universe and kill the villain at the same time. Yeah. It's like, that's a natural conclusion of the 80s show. If you were to ever give it a conclusion, that's the natural end. Perfectly logical. I see where they're pulling that from. That's based on text. Um, and then finally in episode two of revelation, you can kind of continue like, what are the repercussions of this natural end? Which is an interesting show and an interesting place to start. What happens yeah. if the hero's gone? It's it's the death of Superman story. Yeah. I can say that while I have like no emotional attachment or compelling reason to like watch any other He-Man thing, like after watching the first two episodes of Revelation, I was like, oh, I'm gonna keep watching this. I don't really know the past, but the show doesn't really make you have to know the history here to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Except that first episode is kind of you're like things are happening. I like them, but I don't know what's going on or why. 
it does feel like there it's for the fans like it feels like things are happening it feels like i'm out of outside of jokes is what it is like you know when you walk over to your friends and they're saying something and you're like oh i totally missed something i missed the good stuff and all i did was get up and go to the bathroom and i came back and i've missed something terribly <laughs> but that being said the second episode um was uh, the feels like the setup feels like a the start feels like here we go here's here's actually a character dealing with the ramifications and i think that's what that's what people are mad at in this episode of chris and mckenzie versus the fandom things don't change in he-man right we want what about a show where things change like we don't want that okay well that's not that's how you make a good show these days right i mean that's how we make good shows anytime <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think there is something about expectations and consumer expectations, because I, I don't want to call them fans, but like consumer expectations who have put so much money into buying into these franchises and now feel like they're left behind. Oh my God, is that the problem with fan events, a sunk cost fallacy? Oh my God, is it? Oh, did we just solve the internet? A nonprofit that gives fans, air quote, their money back for a thing when they decide they hate it so they just stop complaining about it online. Save society. <laughs> Save the internet. We'll get WB and Disney and Netflix to all put money into this nonprofit fund that we can pass around. And like, yeah, you can complain and say, you can say, like, I hate Star Wars now. Like, great, here's all the money you spend on it back to you with interest. You can never post about this again. You can never see anything related to this again. Like, you're done. You're forsaking your right to do engage with anything Star Wars. Hmm. I like it. Business idea. I like it. So, that being said, <laughs> consumer expectation is a show about the He-Man characters, the he Masters of the Universe Iverse, <laughs> Masters of the Universe-verse, <laughs> um, would have He-Man versus Skeletor battling it out. And some of the things that I've read from consumers uh, who are upset about the direction of things that said, hey, we were promised, you know, something that that harkened back to the 80s that we would like and it's it's he-man versus skeletor that's what we want it's like well you want so you want exactly the same thing that you already have that you already like have episodes of why make a new show if all you're going to do is redo it then you're going to be mad that it's not exactly the same or you're going to be mad that it's too much the same yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I was shocked when He-Man, as Skeletor says, uses the sword for its intended purpose, which has a double meaning, which is he stabbed Skeletor, which he was never able to do with his sword. 
<laughs> I know. It's like, why is there a sword in this show? Stab him. Just stab him. But Which is like, you finally used it for its intended purpose, which you stabbed me. And it's a key to unlock the magic of eternity. I'm like, oh, nice. It's double meaning. You, you finally did it. You finally stabbed Skeletor. And you finally unlocked the magic. Yeah. And adults, now Skeletor is bleeding. Aren't you happy about that? Aren't you happy that He-Man did his big heroic thing? No? Yeah, it's it's really well constructed. I I definitely like strung along and I'm I'm in it now. I'm ready to learn more about these revelations. And I think the fact that it, it it's now taking on the idea of good guy and villain and how they go together. Um, was also a really interesting choice too. Pulling it like this interesting team up that they have going on. It adds definitely more. A lot of the choices they make add more depth, and I really like the the shakeup of good and evil because uh, you may have, if you're a fan of the podcast, have probably talked about Redwall before, which I'm a fan of, but is a very like hard line. Like if your species is this, you are good, and if your species is this, you are evil. And I hope the future Redwall things which are coming don't stick to that as much. But I'm glad they didn't stick to, like, that Redwall good versus evil approach. Like, if you're, like, a weird beast man monstrosity, you don't have to be evil. It's just what you want at the time. But right now, that want is aligned with what the people who are, air quotes, good want as well. Mm-hmm. I do also like that it is about character and the reality of a situation. In the first episode, we find out that the king and Tila don't know that Prince Adam is He-Man, and they finally get that. That's the revelation that he's the same person, um, and he's also he's dead. Um, he's gone. Those two yeah. things. That was a nice moment, and I was like, how did Tila not know that I'm watching some of the original show? I'm like, well, they say in the exposition that these three friends know, but then Tila's also in their magic Scooby-Doo van. So she must not. It doesn't know. <laughs> I think even in the, the comment episode, she asks, like, where did Prince Adam go? And they're like, don't worry about it. He-Man's here now. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you were Tila and the logical end of being lied to and gaslit like that for three or four seasons... And then you find out that both of your best friends are dead in the same person. Um, how would you react? Probably how that happened in the show. Yeah. Leaves nice. This, be, you know, who can you trust at that point? Just yourself. I I really, even not being a longtime fan of the universe averse, uh, I enjoy the shift to Tila's main character because it, I mean, we'll see if it sticks too, but I think that it's logical given what they're doing. I think that that character is the most complex relationships to explore. So it gives you a nice focal point with all the other main characters. It wouldn't be the same if you shifted the focus to like Orko as a main character because he doesn't have as much stake in history in all these relationships where she connects to everyone. Uh, and it just gives us some great scenes. I love the... I think in episode two, there's a lot of like Tila, Andra, Evil Lynn scenes that are mostly not talking about the men that used to be in their lives, even though some of those scenes are. But mostly it's not about that. 
I, I do. I mean, I think there may be the other side of things is now we have a hero character and they have the excuse to call things like, uh, dare I say, woke. Um, because now there's a female character who's in charge of the plot. But it's like, she's the only one who can change at this point. Yeah. What and as we know, the He-Man world has never put a woman in charge and leading her own show before. Never. Ever. <laughs> None of the iterations of She-Ra. But I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, because... I was thinking through this, and He-Man is a lot like Superman. I mean, in so very many ways. Um, but so many people have so much trouble with Superman because how do you? What challenge do you give that character? You know, what what challenge can you give them as their super character? Um, and for this, you would either have to remove He-Man from Adam, you know, and make Adam have to go through something, but you couldn't have He-Man in there. I think it's interesting to remove He-Man and Adam both together. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, who wants to watch the Prince Adam TV series? I feel like that would be worse in some ways. It'd be it'd be like watching a eight episode Peter Parker, you know, miniseries where it's just like hanging out and paying bills and doing things like that. Like, what is that character doing? Press B if you'd like to see Calculon recheck his taxes. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> started thinking about Calculon and I lost what I was going to say. <laughs> Does I have to say about Tila, Superman, Prince Adam? Oh yeah, with the what you're saying of like removing Prince Adam and He-Man together as a unit, like you get to keep your nerd cake and eat it too because like he's still like the perfect human blah 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 whatever. Like there's nothing he has to learn and grow from. He's still like your Jesus figure. He's just not in the show because he's Jesus and he's dead now. Right. I mean it stands to reason that he's going to come back. Like the whole point of the show is bringing him back at some point, right? I, I mean, I haven't finished it, so I can't spoil it. But like the first thing they're going to is Subternia, the land of the dead, and Prince Adam's dead. So <laughs> I'm presuming, based on the logic of the world, that that topic will come up, if not actually happen in the show. They give you enough breadcrumbs. Right. Like have hope. Even if it doesn't happen, like it's not like they're letting go of that thread. Whatever. And then will they get for being what will, a well-adjusted person? <laughs> I know, and like being able to run with things. I mean, maybe if I, I don't know. I've never. I'm a fan of a lot of things that have been reinvented and rebooted. And Mm -hmm. I'm always excited about how it's different. And maybe that's because I write adaptations so much that I'm interested in the change in at a new time. 
Um, maybe that's because I see everything as malleable and able to be played with. Like, didn't you play with your toys? Like, <laughs> right? How boring yeah. were you with when you were playing with your toys? Do you just have the show on and you like had the action figure doing the show instead of watching it? You just listen to it. I don't know. Right? Didn't you? Yeah, I made up stories. Grab your Batman characters too. Like. I had Batman, Peter Pan, you know, mashups going on. Like, this is, come on. Bat-pan. Bat-pan. I never did that, though. That is amazing. I want that now. I'm Peter Pan. I'm Peter Pan. I won't grow up. Imagine, like, Captain Hook is Bane. No, the alligator's Bane. Yes. <sighs> I swallowed the clock. You <laughs> the merely just the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> you merely ex- sorry, finish it. I feel like it's gonna be good. No, no, I was I was just trying to go for the like you merely use the clock. I I swallowed the clock. <laughs> yeah, see that's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's adaptation. And generally I like to think that as a society and storytelling culture, we learn and grow from other people's stories. So I generally, generally favor that newer is better. Now, applying that to individual things isn't always true, but like as a whole for stories we tell, like newer is better. Because we... I'm sorry, people who think that the 80s cartoons are the best. Objectively and factually, they're not in any way. (laughs) Right. We've evolved technology-wise. We've evolved story-wise, character-wise, you know... Acting the fact wise. that we can just record an episode and watch two consecutive things and get a continuous idea of a story is a huge revelation in how we just as humans exist with culture and storytelling. Hmm. I think one of the biggest things that they gave it, and I read this in, a, in an interview, was they just wanted to give this world and these characters stakes. Mm-hmm. Like they never... They never were able to give these characters stakes because you couldn't change the world. Change the world, lose money in sales. Yeah. Kill a character. Well, are you going to sell an action figure to a dead character? Are you? I don't know if you can. I mean, it's it's just difficult to to make those changes when your directive is to keep something going. And I think all great stories need to have an end. And I, Masters of the Universe, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe couldn't have its end. It couldn't have its end ever. Because it, it was a 30, it was a, 30 minute commercial to buy toys. That's what it was. And the only reason it existed is because of President Ronald Reagan and rolling back FCC restrictions on marketing to children. And they were able to go, great, here's some action figures. Here's the show about the action figures. You can buy them. Nothing to blame Reagan for. I, that's that's exactly what Rochelle said. 
<laughs> well, I mean, more the 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 rule rollback than necessarily He Man. Uh, oh, I to make that bold of a statement. Oh, I no no no, not she wasn't. Like, <laughs> but it was just like another thing to blame her for. <laughs> because of course he would be involved in that. But um, yeah, I I feel like this. I think I go along with you. This is the first time that I'm interested to watch another episode of He-Man. Like, the only reason I watched the second episode was because I was interested in what was happening. Because it was a story. It had something going. It it was moving somewhere. Um, yeah. And while I did still feel in, lost in that second episode of where are we? What is this about? This is wild. Like... We're talking about the holy microtrips and all this other really wacky stuff. Um, I was still interested in the characters and what they were going through. And I still want to watch the third and fourth and fifth episodes of this first part. Like, this is all set up, guys. Like, you keep, everyone's like so mad. Like, you haven't even seen the whole thing. There's more. I presume it's not going to go on for forever either. I think it's maybe going to be like two or three parts. Yeah. Like you can't you can't give it past five episodes to be like into it and see where they're going. And it just it looks and sounds expensive from all the celebrities they have voicing people and Mark the Hamill. quality of the animation. I, Mark Hamill is a gem, and I'm really glad he gets to like bring back and iterate on the Joker voice. Like, listening to Mark Hamill voice Skeletor, I'm like, no one else, no one else could have done this role in modern times. This is what people think Skeletor sounded and acted like in the 80s. And it was jarring for me to watch the original one after hearing Mark Hamill do Skeletor. It, he, he nails it. He has even, like, the campy one-liners. He says the perf... I have no good examples right now, but he'll say the first part reasonably in the Skeletor voice, and then, like shift down an octave for like the stinging like witty uh repartee like twist of the meaning like uh this is not a real line but like guess you're a fish out of water now he man or at least just a fish or something like that yeah. he understands the homework and mark hamill <laughs> brings that he delivers he delivers he's i i, I don't know yeah, another crown jewel in Mark Hamill's surging, uh, revived career. I don't know if it was ever dead, but he's certainly, I feel like, more famous than ever right now, which is crazy. Yeah. Chris, do you have anything more uh, to say or share about Master of the Universe Revelation? I feel like if you are, if you're curious about it, and you are open to change, um, to new questions being asked with old characters, if you are interested in complexity, if you like fantasy, um, if you are okay with letting the past die or killing it, if you have to, if you're okay with that. So much Star Wars in this episode. You can, <laughs> That's not about Star Wars. But it, I feel like 
some of those things are. I think I think there are, the Venn diagram is pretty pretty close, man. Yeah. May, one of the main reasons why Mattel made made He Man as an action figure is because they said no to George Lucas on Star Wars toys. They're like, what is this? No. And George Lucas is like, fine, I'll go to Kenner. And then we all know how that turned out. They're like, we can't um, give you figures for Christmas. And Kenner's like, we can't either, but we'll sell this piece of paper that gives your kids. They're like, that, that's not going to happen. And then like millions of dollars. And like, we have to create something. We need to make something. So there are Star Wars connections to this, at least tangentially. I don't deny. I think that Star Wars is connected to everything post-Star Wars. But I, I think if you are open to things being different from what you remembered them and, and seeing where things are going, I watch it. I'm going to watch more of it. And I know I'm not the prime consumer boy that they are uh, marketing to necessarily. But I, I think this is interesting and fun. I agree. Seconded. So do you have a favorite thing that's driving your interest in this? Like an example. I think I said my favorite thing. Or wait, are we doing favorite things? Is that where we are? Yeah, I think favorite, favorite thing. So my favorite, favorite thing is Skeletor saying, you finally did what that sword was meant to do. Or like you finally used that sword as it was meant to be used. Um, Mm -hmm. And that double meaning of stabbed me and unlocked things as, as the key. I just really love that because I was, because it hit me twice. It was like, oh, because he's, Skeletor's bleeding and then, oh, you realize, oh, it's the key. Oh, it's two things. It's the funny thing and the serious thing. Cool. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, because I love Venture Brothers so much and so much of this has like a little bit of vibe of Venture Brothers of like, not just asking the questions of like, what if someone actually wins or what if these secrets get revealed in this revelation, but also like, what do these characters do when they're not fighting each other? I just love, I think in episode two, there's a quick cutaway after they think that uh, in a flashback that He-Man is drowning at the bottom of the ocean. And there's just a quick cutaway to like Skeletor talking evil and like, what if we paint the boat a nice granite? <laughs> <laughs> And then Evan comes back up to stop their plots. Cool. Of course they're waiting for him to die, but like they're going to talk about other things while they're waiting. <laughs> it's just Mark Hamill's voice. It's uh, such a nice moment of these characters existing outside of just their fight against each other. Mm-hmm. It's the camp. I think if you get rid of the camp, it's people in furry underwear can't be anything other than camp. That kind of furry. I was lost for a second. Yeah, that, no, no, no. Like, I guess, is it hairy under? No, I feel like it's. Hairy underwear? And pelt underwear? Hairy loincloth? Pelt? Pelt, yeah. Yeah. Pelties? Pelties are a little campy, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so watch the show. Watch the show if you're interested. I, I think. Anyone who listens to this podcast is probably of the mind of being okay with change. 
and good characters. That's the whole point of the show. Uh, well, shall, shall we talk homework time? Let's. For your homework, stay in your Netflix list and watch Vivo on Netflix. Vivo, V-I-V-O, on Netflix. And we'll talk about that. (laughs) F-L-I-X. I was going to do it, and then I stopped myself. (laughs) Dodge call. As always, uh, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. You can find us on the internet, on Twitter, at WGAnimated.com. Let us know what you thought about Human Revelations. Um, we may or may not engage, but you can let us know what you thought about it. And you can find lots of show notes and links to the documentary that we were talking about on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. See you there, metaphorically speaking. What if we paint the podcast a nice granite? Hmm. That's, yeah, let's. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody.